The views, information, or opinions expressed during this recording are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Alberta Health Services and its employees. This is Long COVID, the pandemic after the pandemic, an Alberta Health Services webinar and podcast series. Long COVID is now being recognized as a new chronic condition that is becoming better understood across the globe. We aim to support our healthcare providers and caregivers to find and use appropriate resources for themselves, their patients, and clients. We'll share stories from patients and providers and explore the innovative work being done in Alberta, across Canada, and globally to support long COVID. This series will help raise awareness of all the work that's being done to understand and address this complex puzzle. Thank you for joining us on this first webinar in a series of four initial shows. We'll be separating out the video into a podcast format so that we can support information sharing across a broader audience. I'm your host, Shauna Curry. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the patient experience and what it really means to have long COVID. We have three brave women who will share their personal experiences with long COVID. In future shows, we'll have discussions with other patients and healthcare providers from a variety of backgrounds and experiences to get a better understanding of how we can best support this new chronic condition. Let's dive in. COVID, the pandemic after the pandemic, an Alberta Health Services webinar and podcast series. Long COVID is now being recognized as a new chronic condition that is becoming better understood across the globe. We aim to support our healthcare providers and caregivers to find and use appropriate resources for themselves, their patients, and clients. We'll share stories from patients and providers and explore the innovative work being done in Alberta, across Canada, and globally to support long COVID. This series will help raise awareness of all the work that's being done to understand and address this complex puzzle. Thank you for joining us on this first webinar in a series of four initial shows. We'll be separating out the video into a podcast format so that we can support information sharing across a broader audience. I'm your host, Shauna Curry. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the patient experience and what it really means to have long COVID. We have three brave women who will share their personal experiences with long COVID. In future shows, we'll have discussions with other patients and healthcare providers from a variety of backgrounds and experiences to get a better understanding of how we can best support this new chronic condition. Let's dive in. COVID-19 does not discriminate. It can affect anyone of any age, any gender, race, or health status. Originally, especially early on in COVID, it was thought that if you caught COVID-19, that you were doing something wrong. Perhaps you were participating in risky behavior, which now we know is absolutely not the case. But unfortunately, this false belief has created a significant amount of shame and even stigma attached to having COVID-19. It's created barriers for people seeking care and for eligibility for support by employers. Unfortunately, some people still don't even believe that COVID-19 is a real virus and therefore don't believe that long COVID even exists. So today we have a panel of three amazing panelists who come from very different backgrounds that are struggling with long COVID. We're gonna hear from each of our panel members about their experiences with COVID-19 and their current struggles with long COVID. We hope that by sharing their stories, we can start to humanize long COVID, to put a face to this new chronic condition that has over 200 possible symptoms. Our panel highlights the spectrum of long COVID symptoms from mild to significant impacts and how the timing of when they got COVID may have significantly impacted their trajectory. So on today's show, our first guest is Melanie McDonald. Melanie is a 37-year-old, born and raised Calgarian. Welcome to the Unicorn Club. Um, I am one of the few as well. Uh, She's a married mom of two. She works full-time as a senior communicator at the University of Calgary, and she's super familiar with COVID research. In her spare time, Melanie has helped her husband run a successful small business and had a side art business and played ringette. These are all things now that are really difficult with long COVID. Melanie was diagnosed with COVID-19 in December 2021 and is here to share a synopsis of her experiences from then until now. Melanie, in three minutes or less, 
can you tell us what your health trajectory with COVID-19 was uh, and long COVID has been up until now? Sure. Um, as you mentioned, I got COVID-19 in December and I'm not sure where I got it. We were really careful. We didn't go out a lot. I was double vaccinated at the time and it was um, probably a week before Christmas and I was just trying to celebrate with friends and some coworkers and I got an extra gift out of, out of the Christmas holidays. Um, I was tested for Omicron, which came back positive, but I had more Delta symptoms. So uh, AHS said it could have been um, the Deltacron uh, variant potentially. Um, but since then I have not had taste or smell. Um, sometimes I get it back, maybe like five or 10%, but it's usually like really weird. Um, so that hasn't been ideal, but the hardest part has been lack of energy and just overall exhaustion and a bit of brain fog. I used to be incredibly active. Uh, my husband and I both work full-time and run essentially a full-time business. And I find by the end of the day, if I have to keep working into the night, I usually need a power nap before I could muster up any energy to make it through. Um, Probably until about January, I even needed a midday nap just to like feel like I could recharge. Um, but the hardest part has just been not feeling myself, not feeling like I'm getting my energy back and the negative consequences associated with that. Thanks for sharing, Melanie. And we're going to hear that same type of sentiment echoed through this presentation. So we're going to dive more into that uh, once we go through each of our panelists. Uh, our second guest today is Velva Dawn Silver. Velva Dawn is a 50-year-old entrepreneur and businesswoman. She runs her own business doing workshops, meditations, course certifications, and healing sessions, and so much more. Uh, I don't even have enough time to go into all of the things that Velva Dawn does. Uh, she used to work in the medical field, and she is quite health savvy and highly in tune with her body. Uh, Velva Dawn tested positive on April 7th, 2021, and has been supported for long COVID at the Peter Lougheed Center, and as well as a part of the University of Calgary genetic study. So off to you, Velva, in three minutes or less, uh, can you tell us about being diagnosed with COVID-19 and your health trajectory with long COVID? Yes, thank you, Shauna. So for me, I, it was at the very beginning, I was not vaxxed. It was, you know, back in April and it was all very new. And I didn't even really know that, you know, I hadn't been in the health field for a while. And so when I got it on the seventh, I knew that I had it. My chest was really heavy. It just felt unlike anything I'd ever had before in my life. I'm a very active person um, I love my brain. And, um, so I was in the hospital and I refused to come home with oxygen because I was, I'm an Aries and I'm stubborn and I was going to get through this. And I promised the doctor I'd go back if I had to, but what I have been struggling with and still struggle is, you know, Melanie, you talked about having a nap is I found that before I would do my workshops or when I was planning it, I had to do a nap in between the workshops, I had to have an hour and a half in my lunch so that I could have a nap in order to even function. Um, the other thing that I really struggle with is insomnia, um, laying awake at night and my brain is just wired open and they've tried many different things to help me with that. And I specialize in meditation and energy work. So it's been really a struggle for me. Um, physically, my body is back to where it should be. My lungs are very happy and healthy. And it's just my brain that I'm working on now. The brain fog is very, and my memory, I failed the memory test with flying colors the other day when I saw the brain doctor. So I really struggle with that being an author and trying to find the words to articulate, um, which can lead to depression, right? Because you just are not the same person that you used to be. And people look at you and they think that you're happy and you're healthy because you look healthy from the outside, but inside it's not at all that way. So, so that's my story. I continue to look for new ways and I'm happy to be part of spreading the awareness for other people to realize the long haul effects. So thank you for doing this, Shauna. 
Oh, you're welcome. We're thrilled to have you as a guest. So again, we're going to dive into more of the, the mm -hmm. questions about your stories after. Our third guest on our show today is Susie Golding, who's joining us from Ontario today. Susie tested positive for COVID-19 on March 21st, 2020. And in her words, is the week of the lockdowns and toilet paper hoarding, uh, which, you know, there's a little bit of humor in that, but uh, not a ton because it's uh, affected her health so much. Uh, she had COVID-19 before testing and immunizations were widely available. Uh, Susie has devoted a tremendous amount of her time, and I, I just can't even give you enough, um, you know, thanks for all the work that you've done in terms of supporting long COVID. Uh, you're the founder of several online support groups for people who are struggling with symptoms of long COVID. You've been a part of 18 studies helping scientists and researchers learn more about long COVID, uh, and Susie is currently involved with the PACER program. So Susie, I bet you uh, have a sense of what I'm going to ask you next uh, in three minutes or less if you could share your story about COVID and long COVID. Uh, well, as you mentioned, I fell ill in the first wave in March of 2020. Um, didn't really understand or know that I had COVID at the time uh, because I didn't have any of the telltale symptoms. I didn't have any respiratory issues at all and I didn't have any fever. I hadn't traveled, so I really didn't fit the criteria of someone who'd had COVID. Um, I was having very unusual symptoms, so I did know that something was off, um, and that was sort of in the acute stages. The acute stages lasted for up to, I think it was 10 weeks, where I was having sort of ear, nose, throat issues, um, deep ear pain, thought that I had some sinus issues, was on some courses of antibiotics to deal with the issues um, of an ear infection, which wasn't, didn't touch that, but then I had... Um, issues with swallowing. It felt like my, uh, had a lot of inflammation at the back of my head when I woke up one day, had difficulty swallowing, um, felt like my throat was paralyzed. And then I had um, the, the issues kept evolving and sort of moving around my body where I started having issues of um, gastrointestinal issues where I had, you know, sort of flu-like symptoms. And then all the issues of, of gas symptoms of GERD, which I've been diagnosed with since. Um, and then it sort of traveled through into my heart and having erratic uh, heartbeats. And at one point I thought I was having cardiac arrest, going into cardiac arrest. So these were the acute stages. And then after the acute stages, it went into the long COVID. And the long COVID is when the fatigue hit, like, um, like, like a brick wall. It was so debilitating. I could barely move. It was hard to function. I mainly just stayed on a couch or, or rested through it. I just was trying to listen to my body and knew that I had to, you know, just conserve my energy. Um, as well as that came the brain fog, which was really debilitating, was one of my, um, to this day, the, the worst symptoms that I've had to deal with, um, the cognitive dysfunction. Um, I still, to this day, can't swallow properly. I often lose my voice. I'm starting to, the, the more that I speak, uh, the more that my voice gets sort of hoarse. Um, and I also have a lot of uh, issues. It's hard to say in three minutes, but I did have issues with, with walking, with my balance, with reading. Um, I was really lucky to, in my travels through all the work that I was doing to meet up with physiotherapists. And I was able to have access to a recovery program that was an interdisciplinary program that I had that really helped me with my uh, sight gate, uh, my sight targeting that was that was off, my gait ataxia that I was literally following, falling over as I walked. Um, I could I really had to be careful going up and down stairs. But so I think the main thing is that COVID, long COVID is an invisible disease. It's episodic in nature. So you can have some good days, you can have some bad days. Um, but it really affects you, you know, uh, financially, it affects you emotionally, um, your emotions all over the place As uh, one of the other guests said, you know, there's a lot of insomnia and, and not sleeping mood changes, irritability, um, just, it seems nothing is going right. And a lot of other things can happen simultaneously. Um, shingles is very common within our community and all sorts of other things, hearing issues and skin issues, rashes. I had a rash on my body for, for quite some months. It's a very uncomfortable thing to go through. And to this day, you know, I think that I, I believe that I have sustained brain damage. And it's very difficult for me to, if I don't get enough sleep, just to speak. 
um, and to really find words. So I'm suffering from dysphagia and, and some other things. So, um, you know, I've had to change my course in, in career. I am no longer able to do the, the physically challenging work that I did as a florist. Um, and I sort of had to reinvent myself. Um, I'm now a medic in the film industry. It's a cushy job that I have, but not everyone is as lucky as I am. And many people are still bedridden. So my experience with COVID has been that it's been two years of hell. Um, but so many people are much, much worse off than I am. So long COVID has made a significant impact on the ability to function at the same capacity as someone did before their COVID-19 diagnosis. So long COVID, we know, doesn't just affect your physical abilities. And I think each of our guests touched on this briefly, is that it takes a toll mentally. So my question for each of you is, what is the greatest impact that long COVID has had on you mentally or emotionally? And we'll start with Velva Dawn. Okay. So <clears throat> mentally is the depression, right? I I'm finding, you know, like the ladies were saying, there was a point when I was really, really sick in the hospital and the doctor came in and he said, do you need to call your family? Like, I don't know that you're going to make it. And that has stuck with me because what I started to realize is life is short, right? And I've made drastic changes because of that moment in my life that the things that I was waiting on my bucket list they're coming, right? That's why I'm going to Hawaii on Saturday. I'm not waiting anymore to live my life because mentally and emotionally, it was like lightning. You know, it was like, here you are. I had no idea that I might not survive and make it through it and see my three girls, you know, grow up. So it changed my life. So depression is definitely one of them. Um, and just frust frustration with the fatigue, right? So it's been it's right there, you know, and it does affect you financially too, because you can't do the job that you were doing before. So you do have to shape shift and you have to be creative in other ways because there is not that financial support out there um, for the long haulers. And Velva Dawn, on, on an offline conversation that we had, we, we had kind of talked about some, some previous conditions. And so um, we had kind of talked about how COVID-19 is different to recover from than other conditions. Can, can you talk briefly about um, what you had mentioned in terms of it being mm -hmm. very much harder to recover from than even a PE? Yes. So in 2016, I thought I was having a heart attack. I was going through a separation, very stressful point in my life. And I spent a week in CCU. They finally figured out that I had a pulmonary emboli in my right lower lobe. So it took a while when I came out of CCU to trust my heart, to trust my body, right? Because the pain that I'd felt during the heart attack was unlike anything I'd ever felt. So it took time to regain that physical strength back. But what was so different with this is this has been a lot more difficult to recover from, which I know you would think, why? Just because, you know, people are familiar with the diagnosis of a pulmonary embolism and a heart attack, and they know how to treat that. This is something new, you know, where we're learning together as a community and the healthcare providers, you know, how do we deal with these symptoms? They are real things. So this has been by far a lot harder to recover than being in CCU, even though I was in isolation for 45 days with COVID. Um, it's been incredibly hard because it's, it's not a quick fix. It's not like you recover instantly and the resources are there. They're working on the resources, but they're not there. And um, even my own family doctors had trouble trying to diagnose some of my symptoms. So by far, Shauna, this is one of the hardest things that I've had to recover from so far. Thanks for sharing that. I, I should have mm -hmm. warned everybody to get your Kleenex boxes out uh, so they're on standby in case you need them. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's really hard to hear these stories. And yet at the same time, so important that we hear how much long COVID is affecting people because that's how we create change. And that's how we figure out what we need to do to support patients just like you guys. Uh, so Melanie, what's been the hardest thing for you mentally or emotionally? I would say um, some of the similar things, frustration, uh, when you hear people say like, we should all just get COVID and it's just a virus. And I feel like that's probably true for people that maybe don't have as severe of symptoms and don't have long-term impacts. It's really easy to say, it's just like a cold, just 
get it and you'll be fine. Um, but I feel like a very different person than I even was early December when I didn't have COVID. I don't feel like I have the energy levels. I'm having to make choices between do I do something with my family today or do I do my errands because I know I can't do both. I don't have the energy. Um, I'm a communicator by profession and I, I agree. Sometimes you just can't find the words like that brain fog is there and you're like, man, why is it so hard to talk right now? And just to think of the things. And I think it's just another side effect and, and hearing the other ladies talk about all of the different side effects that they have. I'm sitting here. I'm like, man, I have that too. And I have that too. You don't even really think maybe that's an outcome of COVID, but I did not experience it before. And it's just, it's frustrating to hear some people act so casually about it and say, we don't need any mandates and it's time to just get back to regular, regular life. And I understand why that is important, but at the same time, when you are suffering from long-term effects where there's very little resources or support to help you, um, it's hard to just be like, yeah, let's open up and put everybody at risk when not everybody has this experience to build off of. And then just the, the mental health aspect of when am I going to feel like myself again? And um, for me, not having taste or smell, I've actually gained an embarrassing amount of weight since I got COVID because I used to be very regimented in my diet and I used to meal plan and, and prepare all of my food. And because everything tastes the same, smells the same, um, I ac accidentally ate something spoiled once. Like you just are going for convenience because it it's all bland and all the same. And, and so that takes a toll on your mental health too, just in terms of making the right choices going forward. Um, I play ringette and I have not been able to play ringette since I got COVID because I just don't have the energy. We play, we're in adult league. We play late at night. Um, it's a miracle when I make it to 4 p.m., let alone 9 or 10 p.m. at night. And so I'm just not exercising the same way I used to. I used to ride the Peloton at least three or four times a week. I have not gone on it a single time since I got COVID. Um, I just don't have energy for anything extra than survival and what I absolutely have to get done in a day. So those effects on your mental health and the frustrations of just what you see going on um, in the community and it's, it weighs on you for sure when you are one of the ones who has longer term effects. Thanks for sharing that, Melanie. And, and you brought up so many key points in terms of how each, each piece of our life is so interconnected and in that, you know, we, we talk about mental health, but then you talked about how, you know, it's affected your diet, how it's affected your weight, how it's affected your ability to exercise. And, and we can't just segment out and be like, this is mental health and this is nutrition and this is exercise. They're all intertwined. It's this giant spider web where we, if we pull on one end, the other end wiggles. And, and so they are super connected. Uh, Susie, what about you in terms of what are, what are the biggest effects for you mentally or emotionally? Well, I think one of the, the isolation, the loss, the great loss, and the lack of support. Um, the loss is, is hard to deal with, you know, like the other panelists have said, weight gain is very common. Um, just being at a, a place where you just don't even know how to begin to get better, like where to start, what, what can you do, what's safe, what's not safe. And then just, you know, kind of giving up hope because nobody seems to know. And so weight gain is very common. I'm, I've gained a lot of weight myself. Um, and, and losing that old person, that, that self of, of what you, who you, who you once were. Um, yeah, I'm a single mom. I used to be very busy and to an active 13-year-old uh, boy was on the ski patrol and, you know, uh, rode a racing bike uh, on a road, a road bike. Um, and did many things and became a very inactive person. And, you know, that has a lot of big play on your mental health um, and trying to, you know, reach out to people who just don't understand what's going on. Um, this being an invisible illness, people seem to take it for granted and, and think that, well, she looks okay. Well, you must be doing well. You know, the common thing that people say to you is, hey, you must be doing much better. You look great. And it's like, well, that's not really what's going on. I'm having a good day, but it's almost very, it, it ends up being very dismissive. Um, another thing is that, you know, I, I didn't really get a lot of support from my GP, who's been my, um, my GP for 30 years, interestingly enough. And 
you know, I don't blame her. Um, but, but what I know is that she just didn't have any information and she still doesn't have any information to understand and recognize the symptoms of, of long haul COVID. Because I think that if she knew what long haul COVID was, she would certainly understand that to this date, I still don't have like a, a, um, a clinical diagnosis from her. One day she says, oh, you know, we, th we think you may have had some kind of virus. And then the next appointment she says, well, we can't really say you've ever had COVID. Um, so it's just, it really, really plays on you to be dismissed by your medical practitioner when you're coming to help. And, you know, you have to really try and, and, and advocate for your own health, you know, just to try and prove that you've actually have this disease it's really really disheartening and can really play on your your emotional strength um so that and just you know the loss of 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 the mom that i used to be and the work that i used to be passionate about and now i'm doing something else and finding you know doors to open that from the doors that have been closed from this um and then you know the lack of support within even the family is very critical. Um, family and friends just don't understand what's going on. So there's there's very, uh, not a lot of support where, where people really, you know, understand what you're going through, the symptoms that you're suffering from. And so it's just, uh, it just really ends up playing on your emotional um, state of mind. And uh, that has a big impact on you over the long run. I've been dealing with that for two years now. And it's just, you know, it takes a lot of energy out of you to deal with that um, being dismissed. So dismissive thoughts from, from people that care about you and want to help you, maybe don't even understand that they are being dismissive, but it's a lot to take. And so I think those are the ones. Thanks, Susie. That was almost a wonderful intro to our, our next question. Um, in terms of COVID, this is a new thing. We, you know, it's not like any of us as healthcare professionals went to school and studied, what do we do in COVID or what do we do with long COVID? This is a new thing. So everyone across the world is learning, how do we treat COVID? How do we treat long COVID? What's working? And, and so, you know, we're learning from what other people are doing and, and sharing studies and resources. But at the end of the day, this is still a relatively new condition. We don't have really well-established clinical protocols in terms of what to do and what we know works or, or doesn't work. So as healthcare professionals, we really like to reflect on the things that we're doing well. And when you look at COVID as a whole, we, there's so many successes that we need to celebrate um, during this global pandemic. And healthcare has made leaps and bounds in terms of how we've responded to COVID much quicker than we have been able to react to other conditions because it's like, okay, we've got this global emergency. You know, we're going to drop the current protocols and processes. Let's, let's make things happen. And we should be really proud of this effort, as well as the effort that's been put in from every single healthcare worker. So for all of you that are on the call, I have to give a heartfelt thank you to all of the work that you do. Now, that being said, it's much harder to dig into what's not working. So I'm going to ask some tough questions to our panelists in terms of that. And I'm going to ask the question of how has the healthcare system failed you. And so I'm not looking for specific, this healthcare practitioner did this to me, uh, but just in that broader context in terms of, you know, how can we do better? What, what do you wish that healthcare providers knew or what advice could you, would you give to healthcare providers? And so we're going to start with Melanie on this one. So my family doctor was actually really great while I had COVID. Um, she called right before AHS did to let me know what at that point I already knew as I was isolating in my room by myself feeling like this really sucks and I was starting to get quite sick um, and she called to check in on me and uh, a few days later the rest of my family came down with COVID as well we tried our best to keep it isolated but she called again which I was like wow like that's nice that my family doctor is checking in on us um, but then I never heard from her again and I just feel like when you were actively um, infected with COVID, like obviously, you know, well, most people don't feel great and you sort of have that expectation. But I almost feel like having a check-in now would be even better. And I have talked to my doctor about some of these longer <clears throat> symptoms that I have and it's more, hopefully with time, those will go away. Like there's not really a solution. There's not really access to resources that I'm being connected to. <clears throat> Sorry, pardon me, to, um, 
I guess, help me figure out what I need to do next. But I'm actually probably more critical of the government than I am of the healthcare system. Um, as an example, uh, because we all got COVID, we decided in February, like, we're going to travel. We haven't done anything in two years. So we went to Hawaii and uh, we had gone to our doctor's office and had um, our PCR tests printed off so we could bring those with us while we traveled, as well as notes saying we've all recovered from COVID. And uh, on our way home, we got stopped at the airport and they said we needed to test. And we explained the situation. We showed all the paperwork um, saying that we could you know, come back positive because we've had it within the last couple months. And uh, they ended up having to bring a public health expert in to review everything and make sure we weren't lying and interrogate us at the airport. But they said to us, the federal government will probably follow up with you when like after this. And not even joking, uh, we got home uh, February 25th and the federal government still calls us on a regular basis to harass us about our trip. And that even though even my children were double vaxxed, my husband and I were triple vaxxed, we all recovered from COVID. They were harassing us about whether or not um, we had done the right thing. And they have made us submit all of our paperwork. I can't even tell you how many times, maybe half a dozen times. And I think a complaint overall is not only are healthcare resources for long-term COVID difficult to come by, but when you feel like you do everything right and everything you were asked to do and you were supposed to do, they still make it really hard for you. So um, I just feel like instead of the federal government spending money, having people phone us and harass us for the same stuff we've submitted many times, why don't they pour those tax dollars into support for patients with long-term COVID symptoms or make it easier for patients to access resources? So anyway, um, I'm probably more critical of the government than I am of the healthcare system. <laughs> Thanks for sharing, Melanie. Off to you, Susie. Okay, so I was just trying to remember that I had something to add on to what you said, and I just forgot it. So um, I'm going to say that I think it's really important for the medical community to understand that I think I feel like the the onus of with Omicron and with the different variants and not having testing readily available, that the onus is gonna fall on many of the GPs first level um, to be able to recognize and diagnose long COVID. So recognize the symptoms. I think it's really important for everyone to be versed, um, to have the latest information, to at least understand that there are over 200 symptoms. Um, I feel like sometimes, um, and don't get me wrong, my GP has been my GP for 30 years, and she's fantastic. Um, she's very quick and she's efficient. Um, her, her, her appointments are usually five to 10 minutes. But when we're dealing with people who have long COVID, um, at one point, I counted 35 symptoms. So you know, sometimes we may need to take a little bit more of your office time. So when someone's calling with different symptoms, you know, then uh, maybe schedule a longer time for an appointment. Um, also, it's very difficult when you're not healthy and you're especially suffering from brain fog to be able to take on um, advocating and, and figuring out your next line, your through the care paths and, and what needs to be done. Um, you know, there's the most effective uh, recovery programs that are out there are interdisciplinary. And so we need guidance to get us to these programs. And if the programs are full, like many of them are now, we need guidance to where to go to see specialists and, and advocate for us to get in quickly and, and, and efficiently. Um, also, you know, there's many syndromes and, and, and illnesses that are sub of, of, sorry, are caused from long COVID, such as uh, POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, uh, mast cell activation, and my uh, MECFS, myalgic encephalomyelitis, chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, and so we need to familiarize, um, people need to be familiarized with these terms and the illnesses that are you know, happening from long COVID and who are the supportive specialists in your area and how can these people get to these 
specialist. So there's just um, you know, a really big um, amount of pressure that's going to be on the, the doctors that I uh, to be up on the latest information to give us time to just recognize and acknowledge um, and and meet us with kindness and uh, believe that we don't want to be sick and these 35 symptoms were we're not hallucinating these symptoms these these are happening we're finding that a lot of the tests that are done the blood tests and and many of the the um, imaging tests they don't show any any of the the issues that we're having so you know it's, it's easy to say well the tests are all fine um and and this you know this i i don't know what to say but it just it it needs to be greeted uh, greeted with um, with softness and with I'm I'm losing my words now so I'm just trying to say please just be gentle with people um, we know that you're busy and you're gonna have to be seeing the numbers of patients that you're I can't even imagine what's going on um, with 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 all that's happening but there are so many people with long COVID and you know we just need to be uh, respected and, and treated with compassion. Thanks for sharing Thank that, Susie. I, I love what you said about we don't want to be sick. And, and long COVID is not a choice, is that, you know, people aren't saying, hey, I'll take long COVID over here. Uh, give, give, give me some of that. Um, you know, and, and you had said something in a conversation we had earlier is that, you know, in the early days that people were afraid of us. And, and that's so telling is that, you know, COVID and long COVID is such a new thing that we're like, oh, my God, there's this thing called COVID and what do we do with it? And, and so, you know, we, we do need to change that perspective as we learn more is, you know, how, how do we humanize long COVID? How do we treat you as a whole? Um, so Velva, we'll throw that question back to you now uh, and get your thoughts in terms of, you know, what, what can, where can we do better and what do you wish that healthcare providers knew or, you know, what advice would you give to healthcare providers? Hmm. You know, I really like what, what Susie had said about compassion, right? We don't want to be sick. We don't want to have these symptoms anymore. And there's shame. Like I feel shame associated with my brain, right? Because I was always very intellectual. And, you know, even for me to go to my doctor and say, like, my memory is really bad. Like I need help. Like it, it, this isn't working. And, you know, I think I'm being followed by six specialists right now from my cardiologist to, you know, internal medicine, to my family GP, to a respiratory doctor, like collaboration is key, right? Because I'm always, when I see my cardiologist, he said to me, you know, Velvedon, you should be coagulated. Why are you not coagulated? And I'm like, okay, we need to get together, Right. Because one of the other major symptoms I have is bruising since COVID. I ripped a Band-Aid off and I have bruising all over the place. And nobody can figure it out what is going on. So I would say collaboration of all of the modalities and the disciplines together, you know, so that there's an overall plan of wholeness for the patients, um, which would be really amazing. And I know everyone's just learning about it, um, but I find... I'm the one having to give the information to each of my doctors um, rather than there being a way for them to like connect just because they're all trying to figure it out. Right. Um, and my doctor's amazing. If she doesn't know, she refers me like I've known her. I used to work with her. So we've known each other for 20 some years. So I'm grateful to have that, but I would just say collaboration and compassion are key because we're already feeling the shame and we're feeling, you know, there's a lot going on, you know, so it'd be nice just to have that compassion back sometimes. Thank you I for just sharing say, that. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to quickly jump in and say, um, even, you know, in terms of employers, like I, I work at the University of Calgary, we have so many teams working on COVID research. I feel like I work in an environment where it probably is safe to talk about these things. However, I don't because you feel that sense of shame and you don't want to keep saying like, man, I still feel crappy from when I had COVID four months ago. Like you, you do want to see the light at the end of the tunnel and you pretend it's there, even if it's not, because you, you feel like people are probably just sick and tired of hearing you say anything about it. So you just try and move on, even if you're not feeling okay. 
I just wanted to say something too, as far as there's a lot of virtual care that's being offered and that's wonderful. And so the, we're off to a great start with that. But I find that what's not being offered is any community level support systems like meals for people who can't cook for themselves, um, laundry service or uh, grocery shopping or, you know, supportive things like that. Also, there's, you know, there's no... Um, there's no financial aid or there's, so any kind of programs that can promote community level support that the doctors, that GPs know of, um, you know, start to, to find these things out and know how to, where to turn people to and, and really try to, to facilitate what's available. Those are all such great points. And, and I really wanna highlight the three women that we have on our panel today are extremely high functioning women. These are career driven women who had you know, career, um, really great careers. You've got families, you, you, you know, you were participating in sports and other activities. Like all three of you were really highly engaged before you had COVID. And then you've also been very savvy in terms of navigating the healthcare system. So, so to highlight the fact that, you know, the three of you have said these challenges and struggles in terms of navigating and, you know, you're highly educated, you, you know how to use the computer, you know how to navigate the system, and, and there's still these gaps and challenges. And so just, just to bring attention to that. Um, so that being said, when, when you're in the thick of it, when you're dealing with a chronic condition that's day in, day out, and for some of you, you know, Susie especially, this has been going on for years, that it can get, it's really easy to get overwhelmed and, and to feel helpless or to get depressed or feel like really down on yourself. So to flip that coin, I'm gonna say, what's been the silver lining in getting long COVID? Is there a gem for you in terms of a lesson that you've learned or, or something that's popped out? Um, is, is there a glimmer of uh, goodness that's come with it? And we'll start with Susie on this one. Well, um, I mean, so much has happened in the last two years, but I think uh, the most important thing is the focus that I've been able to have um, has been very healing with all of the work that I've been doing. Um, I run the COVID Long Hauler Support Group Canada, which is Canada's largest uh, network of support groups. We have support groups for all the different provinces, one for, uh, for Alberta, um, as well as really getting involved has really helped me, I believe, function at a higher level and really help my brain recover. Um, so that's been really important. So I, I guess that's been the silver lining in all this is that I've been able to somehow sarness and harness and tap into um, something that I feel is important and makes me feel, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Makes me feel appreciated, uh, makes me feel worthy. Thank you for well, sharing And, and also just yeah. being, being able to be involved in science and trying to help the researchers and you know recruiting for them and just really being an advocate and, and having that platform to really be able to share and have a voice is very healing as well. Thank you. That's great. And uh, if you haven't heard about it already, the the Facebook group that, that Susie has created is a wonderful place to start in terms of feeling like you're part of a community. Um, we'll share, uh, we'll have Velva Dawn go next. What, uh, what's been your silver lining? What have, what have you gotten out of this as a, as a gem? I just want to quickly say thank you to Susie because that Facebook group made me realize that I wasn't losing my mind. So thank you to you because there's so much valuable knowledge on there. Um, so for me, it is my priorities. I felt like I was in the hamster wheel before and I was just working to live. And that moment when the doctor said, who do you want me to call? I don't know if you're going to turn this around. I don't understand what's happening to you. Um, my dad, my dad is not a man who prays. He's a farmer and he literally lit a candle and he prayed for me every day. This is an emotional part for me to talk about. Um, but the people that were really on in my court, my dad came and he cooked meals for me. If you know a farmer from back in a small town, the last thing that man did was cook. And he came and he cooked for me. He helped me change my sheets. He filled up my humidifier. Um, he did so much for me. And I saw a part of my dad 
that I had not seen growing up, um, which warmed my heart and the community. Like I was very fortunate living in Okotoks, small community. There was food dropped at my door constantly. Um, people coming for medication, whatever I needed. So the silver lining for me was hashtag YOLO um, is my theme. You know, life is short. Do it now. Don't wait. So I changed my life. Um, the people that surround my life, I have little tolerance for negative energy or drama. It's just not my jam um, because we have enough things going on. And just the support, right? Just seeing the world open up and seeing that a lot of people did have compassion and they did break open that during this cycle. So many silver linings for me. Thank you. Salvador, I love your dad already. I, mm-hmm. He sounds like a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. I just want to give mm-hmm. him a big hug for, uh, mm-hmm. for stepping up and helping yeah. out there. Uh, Melanie, what's been your silver lining? Um, I would probably agree with a lot of those things. Just um, having a really amazing support system. Like My husband has been really fantastic. I'm grateful to have him. If there's a day where I just don't have energy to get some things done, he really um, takes the lead and helps me out. And he's also a very busy individual. So I really appreciate that. Um, but man, I just want to taste and smell again. So I'm still like waiting for some silver linings. But yeah, uh, I think just having a really great support system and feeling like they're there for you has been really nice. But um, I'm, st- I haven't been in as long as these two ladies have, but hopefully I start to see some improvements soon and feel feel like there's more silver linings there for me. Make Thank sure you, you rest rest and more rest. Exactly. We're hearing that a lot. All right. We're going to change things up a little bit. We're going to go to some questions in the webinar. So I think Nicole has been popping in the chat box. If you have any questions that are specific to the experience for our panelists, if you want to pop those into the chat box and she's sending those my way, but we're going to start with a question from Michael Um, in terms of have any of your panelists experienced tinnitus, uh, particularly with loss of taste and smell. And so this has been linked um, according to to the message linked, WHO said, uh, linked to some vaccines, potentially Pfizer and Janssen, but uh, just curious on the experience from the three of you or, or what you've heard from others. I know, I know, Melanie, you're, you're still really lacking that taste and smell. So maybe we'll start with you on this one. Sure. Um, during my COVID symptoms, while I had it, I, I felt like my hearing was very fuzzy. And I just kept thinking like, this is insane that it like takes your senses away, but I can't say I've had any hearing issues since. Susie, you probably have some experience in this with your groups, especially. Yeah, a lot of people suffer from tinnitus. That's a very common symptom. I've had tinnitus for two years now. Um, I found that acupuncture, I had 12, almost 15 sessions, and it was really effective for the treatment of tinnitus. I do still get it. Um, It's not as bad as it first was, but especially if I overdo myself, if if I'm working too much, if I do too much physical activity, then the tinnitus will come back with a vengeance. Um, There are ways to treat it um i mean to to live with it is with the background noise and there's apps that you can have on your phone so if i'm falling asleep at night and i'm the tinnitus is really loud sometimes i find if i move a certain way it kind of diminishes it a bit but there's lots of phone apps that you can you know with the sound of the rain or different sounds that will block that out but tinnitus is very annoying and a lot of people do suffer with that All right. Another question is, what would you say to someone who has just been diagnosed with long COVID? And I'll, I'll just let any of you come, come off in order. Go ahead, Susie. Uh, rest, rest, and more rest. Yeah, that's the most important thing. I feel that perhaps maybe I wouldn't have become a long hauler had I rested um, through the acute stages. Uh, so the first 10 weeks, I Although the issues that I was having were very peculiar and, you know, I wasn't having shortness of breath. So I'm the workhorse that I am always working through my illnesses. And so I was outside gardening and doing things and and really, you know, trying to open the house for the spring, get ready for the summer, lugging things around, bags of dirt. And I think that that could have possibly pushed me over the edge 
um, to, to make me really ill. So I think, I don't know if that's true, but uh, that's how I feel. And I just feel that it's really important for seeing what I see in the group that I run because I'm in there, I've been watching people's posts for two years, 10 hours a day. I, I understand that people do too much, which causes them to relapse. So people start feeling better. They wanna catch up on the things that they have fallen behind on and they go for it. And then that puts them into this tailspin where they all, a lot of symptoms come on, new symptoms start to evolve. And it's just a, a nine steps forward to uh, two steps forward, nine steps back scenario where it just causes more damage than, than anything. So I think rest is key and it's the healthy eating, um, a healthy diet and lots of rest. Elva Dawn or Melanie, do you have any other thoughts that Susie didn't cover in that? I would also say, don't be afraid to keep asking questions about your symptoms, right? I wish I would have asked more questions. You know, like my pain is out of control with my headaches. The codeine, the Tylenol codeine isn't cutting it. Um, so I, I would say, keep asking questions to the medical professionals if you're not getting answers or you find your symptoms are not being controlled. I think join the support group too. We have so much information. It's a very supportive community. Um, you know, people really share what's worked for them, what hasn't worked. And uh, you get a lot of information, all the, the most important, all the studies and, and, and uh, media, everything that we've done, it's all there. It's all collected in one place. So it's a really good resource to have. Melanie, any final thoughts on that question? Yeah, I mean, just learning from these ladies, maybe advocate for yourself some more. I think I'm doing what I was told to do and just wait for symptoms to go away. And, you know, with time, you'll feel better. And I can say it's not really happening, especially at the rate I would like it to. So maybe I need to be pushing harder with um, my healthcare provider, which is frustrating. It's tough that we have to push so hard to advocate for ourselves. It's too bad the system isn't set up in a way that just has those supports a little bit more easily accessible. Um, but maybe that's a learning that I have to take away from today as well. Thank you. And we've had so many great questions that have popped up in the chat box. Unfortunately, we're not going to have time to get to all of those. Some of them are actually really great questions that we're going to address in our next episode. Um, so in line with what we were just talking about, uh, there's a website, AHS, so Alberta Health Services, uh, ahs.ca slash healthy after COVID. And that is the central resource hub for all things long COVID. Uh, so Together, we do amazing things every day.